behind the scenes, um, it turns out that um, when we're surprised, it releases dopamine into our system, and that kind of heightens the senses. So you're more likely to take information in as well when you're surprised. I guess it dates back to, you know, if you're wandering around the uh, the savannas somewhere and uh, you're suddenly surprised by a, by a strange-looking beast that roars at you, you probably do want your senses to be heightened so you know what to do. You can think fast and run fast. And it, it's kind of the same on a smaller scale when it comes to, uh, com- comes to email. You're listening to one of my favorite marketing consultants. He teaches consultants and coaches on how to build a steady flow of leads and clients in less than 30 minutes every single day. He's one of the top 50 global thought leaders in marketing and sales, according to Top Sales World magazine. His name is Ian Brody. Ian shares so much value in this conversation. He talks about how to create a quality lead magnet that offers value, tremendous value to your website visitors. He walks us through the exact strategies that you can use to get website visitors to download your quality content and sign up for your email list and ultimately build a funnel that would lead to more sales and more quality leads. He also talks about the 4S email nurturing model. I, I really hope that you stick around for this because he, he shows you how you can engage readers to, to take action on your emails and also establish credibility. You definitely want to stick around for the whole episode. It's a really good one. So without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the Art of Appointment Setting Podcast, where we ask today's most successful experts and entrepreneurs to share the most powerful lead generation and appointment setting tactics they use to build their business and grow their revenue. Now your host from the city that never sleeps, New York, is Kwesi Sachi Jinnah. Hey everyone, it's Kwesi Sechijunai and I'm super excited to have Ian Brody as my guest today. Ian has been named one of the resources of a decade for professional services marketing by RainToday.com. He is the author of Email Persuasion, which has been the number one selling book on email marketing for the last year or so on Amazon, globally with over 100 five-star reviews. He works with consultants, coaches, and other professionals to help them win more high-paying clients and make a real impact in the world. And he shows them the, you know, the simple but effective marketing systems and tactics that they can use to generate a steady flow of leads and clients without being sleazy or super slick. Uh, salespeople spend all their time doing marketing. And he has uh, the 30-minute marketing plan, which you're going to talk about as well. So stick around and enjoy this episode. All right, Ian, thanks so much for joining the conversation today. Hey, my pleasure. Yeah, uh, I, like I told you before, you know, before the, the we hit record, I've been a big fan of your newsletter for a couple of years now. And uh, I was actually thinking about it and realized that in addition to Seth, Golden, I get his daily blog post in my email. You're one of the few people that I really enjoy uh, reading your email. So thanks so much for all the great and amazing content and education. That's my pleasure. Yeah. And, and I'm super excited about this conversation because you are an expert in helping professionals and entrepreneurs become authorities in their field. And you have the five-day authority challenge, which I'd encourage everyone to check it out at inbrody.com. And I want us to delve a bit into authority building and marketing in a moment. Uh, but before we do that, you know, it seems that 
every day there's a new technique, there's a new tactic that sales professionals and business owners and entrepreneurs can use to actually build their businesses. And sometimes, I mean, personally, I find it difficult to honing on what really works and what doesn't work. And I bring this up because you, you, you've you been using email as a channel for, for years now. And I want you to lay the foundation for, for this conversation. How did you decide to use email and how important is the idea of focus in, in attracting and winning clients that you want to work with? Well, I would say just to start, that for me right now, email is still the most powerful method for nurturing relationships and following up with potential clients at scale. Now, that's not to say it's going to be around forever. Um, you know, the um, my kids tend to use Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp more than they do uh, more than they do email. But right now, if you look at all the surveys, you look at all the data, email is still the by far the preferred method of communication for business and still by far um, the most sales um, come from clicks from emails rather than clicks on social media, et cetera, et cetera. So right now, it it is the the one to focus on. Now, in terms of how I got into email, um, I kind of fell into it. Um, my background was I, I worked for a number of big consulting firms doing kind of strategy and marketing and sales for big companies. Before that, I worked in corporate, and email marketing was never really a big thing in those organisations. Mm-hmm. But when I set up my own business in two thousand and seven, um, I kind of set up a website, and then I heard the blogging was was you know the the thing to do at the time, so I did that, um, and it was probably about a year and a half. Um, after setting up my website that finally a friend of mine said, you know, Ian, you really ought to look into this email marketing thing. <laughs> and I think like a lot of kind of smaller businesses or people starting out, I, I'd thought, I thought a couple of things. I resisted for a few reasons. One was, gosh, email, that's quite old fashioned, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. blogging's all the cool thing now. And these days people would say Facebook or, or whatever it might be, or Instagram is the cool thing and, uh, and, and email is old fashioned. Um, and also I thought, you know, this is going to be some work because once you start emailing, you kind of got to commit to keeping it up on a regular basis. But I did some research. I looked at what other people were doing. I realized that there were a number of people that I was buying things from um, because I was on their email list. And I thought, right. well, you know, okay, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, email's old-fashioned. People don't really read emails. But I'm reading emails and I'm buying from people who are sending emails to me. Why wouldn't that work for me? So I kind of got into it in a small way, as most people do. I put a little sign-up form on my website that said, sign up for my newsletter. And, you know, <laughs> hardly anyone did because a newsletter doesn't sound very exciting. So eventually I figured out if I said, you know, sign up to get my free client winning tips, that would work a little bit better. And then eventually I figured out maybe if I offered them some kind of freebie that was really useful for them for signing up, which back in the day I think was my client breakthrough method for attracting new clients, um, that started getting more people signing up. And then I realized if I had more than just the little tiny sign-up box at the side of my blog, but actually if I put it at the front of my website and at the bottom of each blog post and places like that, I'd get more sign-ups. And of course, eventually... People started responding to my emails. Um, people started buying from me um, through my emails. Uh, and I started getting a lot of good feedback as well. People, just like you did at the start of the interview, said, you know what, I really um, enjoy getting your emails. And when I was, I, I don't work with clients one-on-one anymore, but when I did, a lot of the clients I, I would get would, our first conversation would be, you know, Ian, I feel like I really know you because I've been getting your emails for a couple of years now. They really hit the right spots for me. So I thought mm. I would just reach out and, and see if we could work together. Um, so 
for me, I kind of, as I say, I fell into it, but it really worked. Um, so I kept going with it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things, the more you do something, the better you get at it. Right. It's really fascinating. I and mean, you've written a lot about, you know, the idea of giving first and as a way of building trust and mm. building a very high converting funnel. But, and the idea of freebies also, whether it's ebooks, worksheet, whatever, is becoming very common these days. But, you know, there are a lot of people who do the same thing, but they're not getting the same conversion. It's like they're not getting some of the, some of the inquiries that would lead to sales. What, what are some of the top reasons that you have found in your work with clients and, and professionals? What are some of the things that, you know, we can, we can improve and make better? Okay, well, I touched on some of, some of them earlier, but I just to, to go in a bit more detail. I mean, the first one you you said it yourself um, is about the freebie, the the lead magnet, as the you know the the marketing folks would call it, something you give away free to get people to sign up. Just a quick caveat here, um, you know, we, we do we do live in the world of GDPR these days, and you do have to be careful that um, when people sign up to get one thing, you know, it's really clear what people are signing up for. You don't just offer them a free report and then sneakily send them emails without them realizing it and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to make sure your GDPR compliant, but nonetheless, offering something for free that's perceived as really high value and useful is one of the most important things to get people onto your email list. Um, and the key there is, you know, perceived high value. And far too often, people will offer something for free, and it's you know seven tips on doing something really boring or, or whatever. It's not. It doesn't feel when you look at the title. It doesn't feel to the person who's 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 potentially interested in signing up that they're going to get something really valuable, um, or. Or it feels like it's going to be a lot of hard work. I mean, that was the problem with my my very first lead magnet. I, I think I'm calling it client breakthroughs, an interesting name back then. But it was like a 45 page document, and the problem was that people would download it, and it would go, oh my god, it's I, by the time they, a lot of people were put off from ever speaking to me because they hadn't made it through my free report, <laughs> and they're kind of thinking, well, God, I didn't even manage to finish this free free report. It'd be embarrassing calling him to work with me. Now it worked enough and a few people did. Um, but over the years, I, I kind of realized that not only do you need your, your freebie to re- be really high value, but it has to feel to people and genuinely be something they can get value from really quickly. Um, you want to establish your credibility really quickly. So the, you know, a, a lead magnet, a free report, it's partly about kind of reciprocation and giving value in advance, but it's partly about proving that your stuff works. I mean, there's no better way of proving to someone that you're good at what you do than actually doing it doing it for them through a free report. You can tell them mm. to be blue in the face that you're brilliant. You can use testimonials, et cetera, but actually proving it by giving them some useful information that gets them a result, best way of doing it. So it has to get them results fast. You don't want to wait two years before they go, oh, yeah. Ian, Ian's report that really worked for me. Okay, I think mm. oh he's gone. So um, you know you need something that gets results fast. So probably the the lead magnet that worked the best for me over the years was something I called the twenty one word email that can get you more clients. Um, and those of you who know marketing will will know it. It's probably based on Dean Jackson's nine word email, but mine was a little bit different. It was specifically for consultants and coaches. Um, it had a bit more kind of value in it. Um, but the key thing is it sounds. Like, you know, it can get you more clients. That sounds like something I want to do. But 21 words in an email doesn't sound like it's going to take me forever to implement it. And that's mm. what I found. I found that people who were downloading it within a day or so, they were getting results from it, which meant they were automatically ready to move on to the next step with me very quickly rather than in a month's time or two months' time. So that's one of the key things to get people to sign up high perceived value and 
something that, that seems like it's going to be easy to get results from. Now, once you've got that, um, just to quickly go through a couple of other things, you also need what, what they're signing up for longer term, your, your emails to sound high value as well. So as we said earlier, don't call it a newsletter, call it client winning tips or, you know, mm-hmm. energy saving strategies or whatever it might be. So that people think, oh yeah, I do want that. But a couple of other ones to watch out for. Um, one is, um, what the, the usability guys call friction. So it's just, um, making it difficult for people to sign up. So having too many form fields, asking them to put in their, you know, their job title or whatever it might be, or their, tel- God right. forbid, their telephone number is going to, firstly, it's painful to have to put that many details in. Secondly, you're going to get a bit worried. That brings up the other area, perceived risk. So if you've got a, a you know, telephone number field in there, like some bigger businesses do, the immediate thought for people is, oh, he's going to phone me up. I don't want somebody phoning me up. I'm not going to complete the form. So, and that applies to the rest of your website as well, in that your website and your whole presence needs to look sa- like, you know, safe. It needs to look like I'm not going to get scammed or spammed um, from this. I need, it needs to feel like I can trust this person. How do you um, do that? Well, partly it's the look and feel. It doesn't mean the same look and feel. You know, look and feel has to be boring, but um, it has to be in keeping with what they expect given the niche you're in. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a consultant. I work with consultants. So my website has to look like the, the kind of site that consultants are expecting. So um, it's got to have articles. It's got to have value. It's got to look reasonably professional. You know, if you're in a completely different space, you know, if you're in the uh, survivalist, I hate the rest of the world and I want to hide away in a, in a cabin <laughs> somewhere, you can afford for your website to look anti-establishment with big red lettering and banners and stuff like that all over the place because that's in keeping with the style that they trust because they don't trust the establishment they don't trust anything that looks too professional because they think there's something going on there and so they want stuff to look as if you know a seven-year-old child made it Uh, being a bit disparaging there but i guess you get you get what i mean you have to get inside the head of your ideal client and think what 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 is it they would be expecting um, from a website and make sure, you know, it's not, a, it's not a big deal, but you can put people off with the way your website looks and feels if it's, if it just feels a bit too um, pushy for them, uh, depending on who they are. You know, if you're a website for, um, you know, I guess, a, you know, a fitness professional who runs a, who wants to set up their own gym is going to be very different to the website for a lawyer um, who's maybe looking to get more tips on getting clients for their law practice. You know, they, they kind of expect and they, they normally look at different sorts of websites. So you just want to make it so that when, you know, that kind of blink test, when they're there for the first few milliseconds of arriving at your site, they go, okay, you know, I'm in a good place here. And then, as I say, make sure you reduce friction. And a lot of that is about, as I mentioned, not having too many fields on your forms. But a lot of that is just making sure the forms are easy to find. You know, the number of websites where if you wanted to sign up to their newsletter, you'd have to scroll around for half an hour to find the sign-up form um, is crazy. So make sure, you know, if your priority is to get people onto your email list, then the number one thing on your website above the fold that people can see easily should be a sign-up form with a very clear reason for signing up and, and something they get for free when signing up. And then, uh, you know, if they maybe decide not to do that, but they want to go and read a blog post, again, after they've read the blog post, maybe at the bottom of the blog post, you have another opportunity for them to sign up, et cetera, et cetera. So just think, put yourself in the shoes of your of your your ideal client. Imagine yourself going to your web you know, going to your website, do mm-hmm. a few things that they do and think, you know, if someone's just read a blog post and they found it useful, 
they're probably going to be in a good frame of mind to sign up for your email list if you make it easy for them. If you make them have to scroll up half an hour back to the top of the screen and then maybe go back to the homepage or go over to the, you know, click on some menu item, they're probably not going to do it. But if you present them with a sign-up form at the bottom of the blog post or midway through the blog post or something like that, um, if, it, if what you're giving away free relates to the topic of the blog post, then it's going to be much easier for them to sign up and they're much more likely to do it. Mm. This is this is so so good. I want us to to take it to the next level and actually talk about the creating of the of the email. So the the nurture process. Mm-hmm. You talk a lot about the four S, you know, the model in in writing mm-hmm. emails in your ten in, in the, actually that thirty minutes marketing plan. And I want you to speak to, us, to speak to that a little bit. Um, how important is that model for for email marketing, and how can leaders and and salespeople tap into that? Well, you know. 4S is just um, just really a little model I came up with to help make it easy for people to write emails that work and are effective. You, um, so the 4S is just stand for um, simple, surprising stories with a so what. Um, now, you don't have to get them all in every email. You drive yourself mad trying to get a perfect <laughs> score of four on every individual email. But it's a good way of just, you know, ticking off uh, when, you, when you've written a, a potential email or you're thinking of writing it, um, of making sure that, you know, if, if, if you're ticking two or three of those boxes, it's probably going to be a decent and effective email. So just to jump into it, simple. Um, the first thing about simple is make sure your email, make sure you write it to one person. Just have one person in mind when you write your email. The more you're trying to, you know, write to a big crowd of loads of different people with an email, the more watered down and weak it becomes. So just have one person in mind. And typically you want to be writing on one topic with one call to action. A traditional email newsletter, the the type that was in vogue when I started doing emails, was typically you'd have two or three articles in it. You'd have a, you know, a column. It was almost like a paper newsletter Mm-hmm. But, but an email. And the reason you cram a paper newsletter with lots of different articles is that, you know, you can only send it out once a month. But with emails, you can send them out as often as you want. So there's no need to kind of stick all sorts of extraneous stuff in there. Because what, what you typically find is if you put two or three different articles in there or two or three different topics, people are, are, are going to get distracted. The, there's the main article, but then they'll go and read the second one. And by that time, they've gone past the call to action, the thing you want them to do from the from the main body of the email. So just stick to one topic and have one call to action. Don't don't kind of say to people, you know, if you'd like to find out more about my, my online training program, click here. Or if you want to read more of my blog post, click here. If you want to see me on video, click here. By the way, click here to join with me on social media. Right. Because you give people clicks. that many choices, they're going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. So just give them one main choice to do. So that's kind of simple in that in that sense. But also keep keep the formatting simple. Um, and uh, test after test has shown that the more your emails look really simple, like um, a plain text email, maybe with a little bit of bolding, maybe a little bit of highlighting, uh, you know, and a, a blue link. The more simple they look. Um, as opposed to you know a fancy banner in there and graphics and stuff like that, the simpler they look, the more likely people are to click and to buy from them. And you know that I first started seeing those tests ten years ago when I started in business. You do those tests today; they'll, they're still coming up true. There are some exceptions. You know, if you, if you want people to go and watch a video, then showing a picture of the video with a little play button on it that people can click to go to the video that has a positive effect. But mm. by and large, the simpler you keep 
your emails looking, the more likely people are to pay attention to them. Because I think we've got this this inbuilt filter that if we see a fancy email with lots of graphics uh, and and you know big fancy text that's that's not just a, a normal font, we immediately go, someone's trying to sell me something. Because right. those are the emails we get from Amazon and other commercial stores. But if we get a fairly simple email, it immediately looks like an email we'd get from our friends and our colleagues. So kind of in a way, our defenses are down a bit. We just read it as opposed to, to being a bit guarded against it. And of course, the simpler the formatting, the more likely it is to show up you know, properly on a mobile. You won't believe still today the number of people who are supposed to be marketing experts and you'll get their emails on your phone and you cannot read it because the text is too small, the graphics are all over the place, the simpler you keep it, the more, and I, you know, I'm, I'm 51 years old now, I'm getting on a little bit, my eyes are not what they used to be. Um, I, I have my iPhone set to be the maximum size of fun. Um, and even then, I'll still look at some emails and think, I cannot read that email. Right. And you have to kind of zoom in, scroll left, scroll, and people aren't going to do that. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what your market is. There are younger people whose eyesight is not great, but generally speaking, older people tend to be people with money. Um, so they're a good market right. and they tend to have less good eyesight. So, you know, gear up your, gear up your <laughs> emails for people who can't, you know, can't read 10 point font, make it easy for them. Sorry. So that was simple. Yeah. Um, surprising basically means that um, if you think about someone opening an email or, or and then someone reading it, um, and you think about the subject line, and let's say you said, um, you know, your, your subject line was, if it was me, then it would be how to get, you know, how to get more clients, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a topic that my audience is interested in because they want to get more clients, but they've probably all read a thousand articles on how to get more clients. So if if they think they already know the information that's in the email, they're probably not going to read it. So um, if you change a subject line round and you, and you know, um, um, I guess you can, I'm just making up on the spot here, but, uh, you know, um, how, how Johnny Depp, what, what I learned from Johnny Depp about getting new clients, right. then you're kind of going, what? Well, what can you learn about John? Oh, I better read that. I have no idea what that's about. Yeah. So it actually anything- reminds me of one of your emails. You used the Obama email campaign. Yeah. Um, as a subject line, which was really cool. And yeah, and so anything that arouses curiosity like that and surprises people, it's going to get more of a reaction. I mean, behind the scenes, um, it turns out that um, when we're surprised, it releases dopamine into our system, and that kind of heightens the senses. So you're more likely to take information in as well when you're surprised. I guess it dates back to, you know, if you're wandering around the uh, the savannas somewhere and uh, you're suddenly surprised by a, by a strange-looking beast that roars at you, you <laughs> right. probably do want your senses to be heightened so you know what to do. You can think fast and run fast. And it, it's kind of the same on a smaller scale when it comes to... Uh, comes to email. Um, and the same is true when you're reading the body of the email is, itself. If you're just giving the same information that everybody else has given, then mm-hmm. people are, are going to ignore it. It's not going to establish you as an authority and people aren't even going to remember it. But if you can surprise them, if you can take conventional wisdom and turn it on its head, providing it's true, of course, um, mm. if you can give them a new insight into something, either because you know, you've just done that fun little twist and showed them how Johnny Depp gets clients, or you've done something in your own world where you've discovered a new interesting way of doing things, and you surprise them with that information, they're much more likely to remember it. 
Third S um, is stories, and I think uh, I think most people know nowadays if you can tell things in story format, it's much easier for people to remember and to engage with than if it's all kind of facts. And that was one of the things I really did wrong early on with email. Um, I, I kind of wrote emails like a professor, really trying to <laughs> almost trying to impress people with how smart I was. So every email was it was kind of like a, an essay with seventy four you know, bullet points or whatever, and, and the, the greatest in-depth stuff. And, uh, you yeah, know, nobody wants to get the Encyclopedia Britannica in their email inbox. Right. No, <laughs> no way. <laughs> and I remember very well that the very first time I wrote a story-based email, I had basically run out of ideas. I'd, I'd done all my really smart, clever stuff. I'd put all those in emails. And then I thought, what am I going to write about? And for some reason, I just thought back to something that had happened Fairly recently, which is where I'd been hassled by my wife for not not cleaning up our garden. We'd moved into a house years beforehand. Um, we had this thing at the bottom of the garden. We wanted to create a vegetable patch. Couldn't because it was all filled with junk from the previous owners. And eventually she kind of said, look, you know, are you going to do this? Are, are we going to do this? And and I kind of sat back and thought, yeah, okay, we are going to do it. Got down, did the work, you know, knuckled down, got it cleared, and it was all brilliant from there, and the garden was fantastic, etc. And I just told that story, um, and obviously trying to make the point that sometimes if you want to achieve something in life, you just have to grit your teeth and get on and do stuff. Um, and it got the very best response I'd ever got from an email. I'd, I was worried that it wasn't filled with genius ideas and mm-hmm. all that kind of loads and loads of information. It was just one simple story about how my wife had uh, had reminded me that sometimes you need to knuckle down and work hard if you want to get what you want in life. And the number of people who wrote back to me and said, oh, that really touched a nerve. You know, I really need to do that in my business. I've been putting this off or, you know, that rang so true for me. Um, and it what, helped what me realize. You, what would you tell people who feel they don't have any story, interesting story to tell, and actually make it relevant to what they're selling? You know, I, I think firstly they're, they're they're probably being too self-deprecating there because we mm-hmm. all have stories to tell. You can have stories about yourself mm-hmm. um, and things you've done, or even just things you've observed. So I've written stories about when I went to the post office to post um, a parcel. Um, and I witnessed a conversation between the lady behind the counter and a kind of an old lady who who kind of visiting. And it was an example of really nice customer service. Mm. So I just wrote about that and about how, you know, if we all had a bit more empathy for each other and took the time to talk, um, we get better results. Um, so you can just use observations. I mean, that's the way observational comedians work, isn't it? It's not that they have different lives to the rest of us. It's just that they notice things. And they write them down, and then they 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 kind of reproduce them. Um, so observe things, tell stories from your own history. I mean, I one of the type of stories that tend to work the best for me often, the certainly the ones people get the most interested in, are stories when I've messed things up. Right. So if I tell people about my worst ever sales meeting, where the client just sat there and stonewalled me for the whole meeting. Um, or the email I sent out that had a really low open rate because I messed the subject line up, those, those kind of things. People mm. are really interested in our mistakes. And as long as we learn from them, obviously if all your emails are just about mistakes you make and you never <laughs> learn anything, it's right. not going to build any credibility. But if you learn from them and you, and you show people what you did differently the next time that made it better, then people are really interested. It's that kind of Schadenfreude thing that we're all interested in when things go wrong for other people. Um, we just, just it's just a natural human mm. inclination. And you can tell, but of course, you can still tell stories about your clients and people you've worked with in business. So if your clients have had success, you know, as long as you get permission or you completely anonymize it, you can tell stories about their successes and what they did. And of course, if you're like a consultant like me, 
often it's better to use a story about your client having success than it is to have a story about you use having success because then that shows to people rather subtly that people who work with you are successful. Right. Um, and it kind of gives them a, a preview that you know, not only did Ian succeed with this himself, but he, his client succeeded. So maybe I should think about being Ian's client. Or you can just do like I, I did with a story about Johnny Depp or whatever. You can just pick up on things in the news. You can pick up on anything you find interesting and write a story about it. I mean, so, you know, I, and different different types of stories connect with different people. So um, there's a sto- the story in one of my emails about um, – how when I was a kid, I wasn't all that popular. You know, I wasn't unpopular, but I wasn't all that popular um, because I was really into kind of sci-fi and stuff like that. And, you know, that kind of puts you in amongst the geeky crowd right. rather than the the cool crowd. Um, but I uh, uh, told the story about how whenever I, you know, whenever I tried to be cool and mentioned the the latest thing going on in, in, the, in the pop charts or sports or whatever, it ne- you know, it just never worked because that wasn't me. But... When I was with my, my my guys who used to like watching Doctor Who or whatever it was, stuff there really worked for me. And I j- just talked about how that shows you that you know you can you know you can you don't have to do something super popular and play to all the all the popular kids. You can find your own little niche of people who are like you and like the things that you like and are interested in things you're interested in, mm. and that'll work for you. So you just kind of. I guess look at your memories, look at your experiences, right. try out new experiences. That's another great one for coming up with stories. Um, we have a comedian over here in the UK called Dave Gorman, and he's built his entire career. Um, and he's had about five best-selling books, four, four really successful TV series, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he's built his entire career from just going out and doing interesting things. You know, I guess he was at the same stage most people are thinking, oh, I don't really have anything interesting to say. He just went out and did stuff. So he went out and searched the world for other people with the same name as him. He went out and ran his life um, based on what his horoscope said in the morning. He went out and played cra- you know, crazy weird games with anyone who challenged him and uh, and, and wrote about that and, and experienced that. So he would just go out and do stupid stuff and then write about that. <laughs> right. So, for example, in a business sense, you know, if you're a leadership co- um, coach um, and you think, what am I going to write about leadership? Why not take up a leadership role pro bono in a local charity and then write about your experiences there and some of the challenges you face, et cetera. Or, you know, like me, if you're a marketing consultant, do some marketing, tell people what you did. See, have do some experiments, see whether it works or not. And whether it works or not, you've got something interesting to tell them. Gotcha. Fascinating. And what's the, uh, the, I think the final part is a so what. Oh yes, a so what, good <laughs> <Yeah>. point. <laughs> You're absolutely correct. And that's basically making it meaningful. So mm. um, I talked about storytelling there. It's really important to try and be as entertaining as you can in your emails because no one wants to be bored when they read an email. But, you know, do bear in mind that um, if your emails are just pure entertainment, eventually you're going to lose out to Hollywood. You know, I'm not as entertain. <laughs> I'm not as entertaining as as Disney or Star Wars or whatever it might be. Um, there does have to be something useful for people in your emails as well. Right. So this there does have to be some kind of so what about how it impacts the life of your the, the people reading your your emails. Now that could be it could be obvious. Um, but sometimes you have to help, you know, help them draw the conclusions or close by asking them a question or getting them to click on a link to do something. But always try and relate it back to their life and how they can use that information to have more success themselves. 
Gosh, this is this is really really good. I know we can go on on and on and on for hours. Uh, so where can where can people learn about you know the work that you do, the thirty minutes marketing plan, and connect with you as a person? Okay, so the um, easiest thing coming to my website at ianbrody.com. Right on the front there, you'll find a little download thing for the thirty minute marketing plan, um, which is really about how to do marketing successfully, but that doesn't take you hours and hours every day mm. and which I, I've, I've found it's the one thing that's really struck me over the last couple of years of working with clients is that you know these are smart people they could and just as you said at the start of the interview that there's so many different choices these days that's not a problem you know lack of choice it's knowing what to do and not and not ending up doing so many different things that you you know you, you end up working eight hours a day just on your marketing and you have no time to do your actual work um, with clients or, or whatever it is you do. So 30-minute marketing plan is all about figuring out what are the, the real big hitters that are going to help you um, get the clients you need or the customers you need without it taking all your time. So you can sign up for that. You get that for free. There's a free Facebook group associated with that. Or the other thing you mentioned was the five-day authority challenge, which is all about, I guess, if you're past you're beyond the stage of, of of filling up your funnel and and needing clients, and you're in the stage of how do I want, how do I take it to the next level mm. as an expert in my field? How do I get more visibility? How do I get more people coming to me and seeing me as as a leading expert? Then the five day authority challenge is a great way to, to get started with that. That's a bit you scroll a bit further down the site, um, and you'll find that a link to that. And again, that's um, free materials, free videos in that case and a free Facebook group you can join to, to ask questions and talk about that. Mm, awesome. I would encourage everyone to check it out. I've been following in for, for years now, and I can totally vouch for the quality of, of education. I'll put everything in the show notes as well uh, so people can check it out as well. So, Ian, thanks so much. It's been awesome. Thanks so much for showing up. I really enjoyed this conversation. It has been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Art of Appointment Setting Podcast with Kwesi Sachi Jinai. Find out more about how to get high-value appointments at Catalyze.io. And while you're there, check out the free resources for appointment setting. And be listening for the next episode of the Art of Appointment Setting Podcast.